0: The following is a presentation of the Speed Sport Podcast Network.
1: Mike Wallace doesn't have all that much driving experience. For the last three or four years, he's put in his views in this business. Mike Wallace comes down to the line. He'll pick up the
0: win. It's fast car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. The battles for the lead. Mike Wallace gets by Jason Leffler. Mike Wallace comes off turn number four. A great move in that corner. He comes to the line and will win.
1: From grassroots to the top of the racing world hear the stories
0: of NASCAR's biggest names and how they made it all the way. Who was Tony Stewart before he
2: was
1: Tony Stewart? I could barely make enough money to pay attention, let alone to try to survive. From the
0: Speed Sport Podcast Studios, powered by My Race Pass. here are your hosts, Mike Wallace and Jeff Kent. Welcome to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace, part of the SpeedSport Podcast Network, powered by MyRacePass. My name is Jeff Kent. Strap yourselves in, pull those belts tight. We'll take you on a journey from short tracks across America to super speedways and everything in between. We're brought to you today by Mark Fickin and Ford Lincoln on South Boulevard. The team at Mark Fick and Ford Lincoln works hard every day to be a community partner in supporting their customers, local businesses, as well as being involved in local charities and programs. Visit com today for your next vehicle selection, service appointment, or collision need. Today's guest competes full-time in the NASCAR Cup Series. They are on top of the world, Mike, right now, having won back-to-back at Richmond and Michigan. He is the 2012 ARCA Racing Series and 2015 NASCAR Xfinity Series Champion. Quite a resume for a young guy. In the Cup Series, 280 races over nine years, four wins, 48 top tens. Xfinity, 74 races over four years, three wins, 36 top tens. Arca, 57 races over five years, 10 wins, 43 top tens. He's the driver of the number 17 Ford Mustang for RFK Racing. Welcome, Chris Busher. Chris, say hi to Mike
1: Wallace what's going on i appreciate y'all having me on here
0: man we are excited to
1: have
2: you on yeah and you know what's crazy chris you're such a quiet guy that i never realized you've had such a stellar career i mean really <laughs> i mean i mean that in a mile, no, I so mean, I mean it, right because just,
0: i was looking at the resume and i'm like he's a he's a young guy yeah but I, all
2: those wins and the championships and uh you know you, you don't seem to stir a lot of controversy or nothing so uh kudos to you buddy
1: well, I appreciate it. We try and do that by design sometimes, but, uh, no, I mean, it's been, um, a, a little bit of a, of an underdog story throughout a lot of, a lot of our career and, uh, and I'm, a, I've been okay with that a lot of, a lot of the times. So yeah, I've been able to kind of just sneak through and, uh, you know, quietly have our success and, uh, and keep, keep plugging away. Well, you know, I, I,
2: that brings us to our, our main question and all of our fans, Jeff, how many fans do we have? The whole world is listening, Mike. The entire world. Okay, well, Chris, the whole world is listening, so don't don't get nervous or nothing. <laughs> but <laughs> so the way you said that worked out perfect and tied right in. The concept is that we go back early on when um, you know you first had the desire or were exposed to motorsports, and I, and our fans love it when the guest tells the story instead of us telling the story. So. We're gonna to come to current all this great success you're having this year, but how about let's go back to give us a year, give us an age when you first were exposed to motorsports.
1: We're gonna go that far back. I would say you're kind of run into about five or six years old. Um,
2: okay, and so at five I, years old or six years old, and we'll even give you to seven just to give you a, a break in case. Okay. But uh, five I or six. That. Five or six. What uh, what was the first experience you had that? Uh, exposed
1: you it wasn't necessarily um racing it it was hot rods and um dad was a a big hot rider growing up and and always had projects in the garage um he was a race fan so we went to uh, we went to races we watched we um but we were always what i remember more what was being at shows and walking around whether that was you know good guys was in texas motor speedway or turkey ride run was down in daytona um you know, you're just there for several days and, uh, I got to see cool stuff. I remember playing on the, on the playground in, uh, in Daytona when I was about that age somewhere. And, um, I, I think it was probably somewhere around the DO lot now. So, I uh, kind of a, a big full circle swing, but, um, that was, that was my initial run into it. Um, just loved being in the garage, trying to help out. Uh, not sure that I was always helping. Sometimes felt like I was slowing Dad down, but always being around something that was uh, loud and most of the time fast and uh, just trying to trying to tinker a little bit. So just caught a bug early on and and took off from there.
2: What part of the country did you grow up in? You and Dad and those hot rods? Where, where did you live at at that time?
1: That would have been that would have been Texas, uh, North Texas. Um, a little bit, some of the turkey rod run stuff, I believe we still lived in Florida for, um, for, for probably my first car show experience. Now that's a little farther back than I remember. And <laughs> I, um, I claim to be from Texas cause I don't remember any of Florida, but, uh, I certainly grew up out there, but, um, you know, as we, uh, went out to the good guys and, and, you know, just had different stuff. We've, um, I think that's had season tickets since Texamer Speedway opened up. Yeah, I ran. Yeah, no, do you know 97?
2: I ran uh, the first Cup race, 1997? I ran that race. Did you I drove the? Nine, okay, okay. The, the 91 Spam car, uh, Hormel car, and it rained. It f- rained really bad yes. the night before, and they right. y- ended up using I 35, the interstate, out front. Chris, now you were <laughs> small. I don't know if you remember this. They parked all the traffic on interstate shoulders yeah because the parking lots were all jumped out and and it was a big deal i mean everybody was there you know all the politicians say they
0: used the interstate for the racetrack yeah
2: (laughs) no it was uh i just remember because there was so much hype around that race and uh you know it, it was really cool but it just it it just downpoured monsoon throughout the night and uh you've you got it went outside the racetrack in the morning or even after the race there's cars parked all up and down the interstate and <laughs> in, the, in the middle islands everything else so, I specifically
0: uh, remember though when Texas Motor Speedway opened up that was a big deal man oh yeah? Eddie Gossage who was part of the Charlotte team here Charlotte Motor Speedway had gone out there to be the general manager
2: yeah they put a lot, in yeah, chris not really revolves you, but to give you a little education on that early racetrack, they used to uh, fly a whole group of drivers out there for the press conferences and everything. It was a, it was a major deal. I mean, it just, they, they put on dog and pony show that you couldn't b- believe. And uh, as they say, they do it big in Texas. Yeah, they
1: do. Oh, I bet. Yeah. So <laughs> that sounds uh, about right. So, so I d- don't have any memories from that 97 race specifically, but mm-hmm. dad always tells me about how muddy it was how, and we had four wheel drives growing up and we were out there in one of those mud holes parked ready for, uh, ready for the race. But it was, um, uh, certainly something that comes up and ever since then, we've always had this, um, and not a more, but, uh, for years and years and years, we parked in, in what was a, a drainage ditch that was fairly <laughs> close to the grandstands. But it was nobody else would park there because I think they all remembered 97 and they weren't uh, they weren't that brave or that (laughs) dumb. I'm not sure which one, but that was our spot.
2: (laughs) That was the flood zone at that time. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So when you uh, early in those days of going to races with your dad or your family or your buddies, whoever was all involved in it, what did you do when you were there? Did you watch the race or did you play in the infield or a little bit of both?
1: uh, That was all that was all hanging out in the grandstands. We had uh, some, some uh, seats off of turn four for a long time. And then eventually really close to start finish line. Um, Never really did any camping out there. And and only recently have we had really friends that went out and camped and tailgated. So we kind of just came in for the race. We sat in that traffic for four or five hours leading up to race (laughs) time, And uh, you you know, when it was just absolute chaos trying to get in these places, but um, that was, that was the, the, The gist of it, I mean, we, we didn't do a whole lot more than to come in for that race and, uh, hang out in the stands. I, I, again, it's a long time ago and I have very limited memories of, uh, of what we were doing, but, um, you know, it wasn't just cup racing either. Right. It was trucks. It was Xfinity. It was Indy. Uh, you know, there was all kinds of racing going the Speedway and the good guys car shows. So we were out there, you know, half a dozen times a year, you maybe go a little bit more. So uh, certainly have a, a, a lot of time put in a Texas Motor Speedway and, and a lot more nowadays.
2: That's great. You guys took in all the events. So when will, when would it have been that um, you first you first looked at a race car that you would be involved with or first sat in the seat of something or a go-kart or something like that?
1: It was a motorcycle. Motorcycle, and it okay. Was, that would have been six years old. And got a little 50cc, I think it was a Suzuki um went out to a local soccer field around Plano, Texas and terrorized people that were probably trying to enjoy soccer games, <laughs> crashed into the uh, in the goal net once or twice, um, you know flipped off handlebars, going through drainage ditches out there way too fast. that was that was the start and uh, and then it quickly turned into we need a place that we're not going to get yelled at <laughs> And uh, so we started, going to um, Mo- Mojave Village Creek, and I think it was Mojave Valley, and uh, two, two motocross tracks when I was really young. Did a little bit of flat track racing. Um, went out there to start practicing, and uh, and Dad's telling me, he's like, I think you need to try and run this race. And I'm like, no, no, I'm, I'm too nervous. I'm too nervous. I don't want to do it. So he made me do it. We went out there and won our first race on a little flat track on a 50cc KTM at that point, And I was like, all right. I'm, I'm hooked. This is this is it. So kind of just took off from there. And uh, we made it a couple years on 50cc bikes. And, and I flipped over the handlebars race on one of the motocross tracks at that point. Um, mom seen me get run over by a kid and that pretty much did me in. Hey, do you? Know I where that
0: story was headed because we've talked to other drivers and whatnot. that started out on two wheels. The transition from two to four usually happens when mom gets involved.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, it was funny. I'm sitting listening to him, and we had Travis Pastrana on two weeks ago, and Travis oh, is. It's almost like the same story. I'm listening. It's yeah. like, oh my god, these guys started exactly the same way at the same age.
1: <laughs> so I'm not as brave as Travis Pastrana, and um, and. I think my mom put her foot down a little bit more on the two wheel side of things. So, <laughs> yeah.
2: so I, I have to share this if you guys don't mind me sharing. I th- and Chris, I think you would enjoy it. Now, I'm I'm a grandfather now, right? I get three grandchildren. So there's this meme out on TikTok, and it's got it shows two grandparents standing there with the heading to say. You don't know if you did right for the grandkids, and here comes some little kid on a 50cc. <laughs> he must be running 70 mile an hour up the hill, past them, and they. Oh, just... I saw that. <laughs> yeah. I saw that video. I saw that when online. You, that is hilarious. When you're describing I've... it, I'm thinking, "Oh my god, I just seen this," <laughs> and Grandpa's just shaking his head. Right.
1: <laughs> yep, I know exactly what you're talking about. I've yep. seen that one. Yep.
2: Yes, sir. <laughs> so uh, the the day that mom or uh, the the period of time that mom said, okay. Probably, of course, she probably looked at your your dad and whatever your dad's full name is. That's what she called him by at that point. You're right. <laughs> okay, it w- w- Chris needs to get off the motorcycle now. Hey, help me with something because it's went back and forth when I raced a little bit against you and seen you and all that around the racetrack. You were Chris Buescher. Is it pronounce the <laughs> last name for me properly?
1: It's it's just Buescher. Buescher.
2: Okay so yep. you were yep. you were chris and then you turned into a rock star in the last few years and it's christopher <laughs> what 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 changed that i want to hear that story i know that's not an old story that's current and, what, and what?
0: is it something is that something you started or was it michael waltrip because i swear i was watching a race one you know how he does his, the yeah. pre-race stuff and all that and he called him christopher busher and i'm like so. his is chris
1: so uh, this is um, this is a Dale Jr. Uh, blame game right here. Okay. So we were at Richmond. Uh, this would have been the last fall race. So it's actually the race that kind of turned my opinion on Richmond, because for a very long time I've I've told everybody to fill it with water, stock it with fish, and be done. Like I, I've hated that place my whole career. And um, so the last fall race there, we ran really good and uh, brought fast race cars. Something clicked. Uh, We were running down Harvick for the win, and Christopher Bell was also very fast on a different strategy, and so they were kind of bouncing back and forth on the broadcast over Chris Buescher and Christopher Bell, and somewhere in there, Dale just committed to Christopher. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) And I think he got it wrong about three times, and I think he realized it, and it was one of those moments that it's like, well, if I admit I'm wrong then it's going to be a big deal. So I'm just going to keep going, and maybe no one will notice. Well, that did not happen. And I became Christopher for the next uh, foreseeable future. And uh, what was good about it was, or was funny about it, we had a good laugh over it and had a good time. It was obviously, I think we finished third that day. It was a really, really strong day and had a lot of stuff to to kind of goof off about. And um, the amount of people that were telling me that I was going to have to legally change my name to Christopher because (laughs) Dale Jr. willed that. (laughs) <laughs> and i'm just sitting here like that's not a problem my name's christopher <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you don't really have to change yeah <laughs> this is not as big a deal as y'all are making it out to be i promise like... <laughs> you you had been
2: given a name from the holy grail dale jr you
1: know so... <laughs> so let me tell you the person that was most excited to hear christopher over the broadcast was my mom really <laughs> <laughs> Finally, using the name she gave me. So, yeah, she was she was the biggest Dale Junior fan of anybody at that that given time, and that's a hard feat to uh, to, to accomplish, right? And, and I promise she was she was on board with it.
2: And, and so the the last few, and we'll take a break here in a second. The last few weeks, a month or so, are we on Chris or Christopher? Because I know we got Christopher on the car at one time. Or where are we at on that right now?
1: Yep. So we we've kind of gone back to uh, we've gone back to Chris. Um, because we're trying to use it as a, a good luck charm and, and Christopher seemed to be working and, um, something went bad along the way. So we went back to crisp and, uh, and now we've won a few races with it that way. So I'm um, not so sure we need to go back.
0: That's a, that's a great story <laughs> and more to come. You're listening to fast car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the speed sport podcast network powered by my race pass and NASCAR digital media. Hi, it's Mike Wallace. You need to get behind the wheel of a vehicle that's built tough
2: Mark Ficken Ford Lincoln. Right now, you can get $500 off any new or used vehicle that we have in stock. That's right, $500 off any vehicle that's currently in stock. To take advantage of this deal, simply visit FordLincolnCharlotte.com slash Wallace. Don't miss out on this opportunity to save big on our entire inventory. Get $500 off of new and used cars, trucks, and SUVs at Mark Ficken Ford Lincoln on South Boulevard now.
0: Welcome back to the Speed Sport Podcast Studios. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. We're brought to you today by Mark Thicken Ford Lincoln on South Boulevard. The team at Mark Thicken Ford Lincoln works hard every day to be a community partner. In supporting their customers, local businesses, as well as being involved in local charities and programs. Visit FordLincolnCharlotte.com today for your next vehicle selection, service appointment, or collision need. We're talking to Chris Busher today, and once again, here's Mike Wallace.
2: Well, I have to say, and we're not going to clue the fans in, and we're going to keep the world thinking, but that that was a great break. We got a discussion of a lot of name changes and everything along
0: the way, but... uh, Maybe we should keep recording during the breaks. Yeah. Be like... (laughs) Be like you know releasing you know uh, bloopers a yeah, blooper reel we'll we'll try that in the future but uh i don't right. know
1: if that's a good idea that's okay. how you get people canceled right there okay yeah. never mind
0: oh. <laughs>
2: We're not into the cancel culture around here. Just to let you know, okay. Chris, you can say okay. whatever you want. You're not going to get a, you're not going to offend anybody. But uh, all right, so we're going to go back to seven, eight years old when Mom decided you were going to get off the motorcycle because I, I interrupted with the Chris, the Christopher deal. We're back to Chris. You're winning races. So let's go to the day that Mom said, "What's your dad's name?" Jim. Jim, probably James, Jim. right? Yeah. I'm telling James. you,
0: James. He's going to four wheels.
2: James, I'm tired. of That boy getting hurt.
1: <laughs> now I'm telling you, you're going to park
2: him, or you're going to get him off four wheels.
1: So it wasn't even that that easy. It was <laughs> you're going to go play a, a regular sport, and we're getting out of this fast cars and vehicles thing. Yeah, yeah. It was it was an honest attempt, but it wasn't happening.
2: All right, tell us all about yeah. it, or tell us the next step. Let's. let's where did you go into four wheel world?
1: So we got off of. Got up for two wheels. Uh, it was about the time we made a transition over to. Um, uh, well, we moved. We moved out farther in uh, in the Prosper area. Um, we got to uh, a point where we were farther away from the, the motocross tracks, and it was just kind of a, a natural time to to transition over. And it was all right. Look, we got uh, football here. We've got baseball, and, and I don't remember something else. And I was like, I I don't want to do any of that. And it's like, I want to go racing again. And, um, you know, we went through same, several options again. And I was like, all right, let's try this and see if you understand, uh, we have football and we have baseball. And I was like, I, I just, I want to go racing. And, um, that was met by a little bit of, uh, uh of rough, rough attitudes and, uh, kind of, uh, a little bit of a downtime. I uh, ended up my dad had a coworker at the time who raced legends cars out of Texas motor speedway and had mentioned something about the bandolero cars and the driving school they do out there. And it was kind of one of those things like, well, let's just go give it a shot. We'll, uh, we'll go, whatever it was, go spend the, the four hour class out there. See how we like it. Um, if we take to it, then, then maybe that's something we, we pursue a little bit more. And that's what we did at we Texas motor speedway, uh, brand, Extremely slow, uh, way off the pace. Kind of worked up to it by the end of the day in one of those school cars, and got done. I was like, "Man, I, this this is gonna be fun! Like, we can do this!" And uh, you know, went and bought uh, went and bought a Bandolier shortly after. Um, you know, was sold as you know, turnkey, race ready. Don't have to touch anything. Showed up at the racetrack with a white car with some black decals, uh, no cut tires, uh, no setup up <laughs> under it um it sounds and, like when i
2: bought my daughter a car the yeah. <laughs> same storyline oh. man exactly
1: <laughs> we were we were fed a line and took it hook line and sinker and um and believed that that's all we had to do to go to the racetrack and have fun and be competitive not even close and uh man it spiraled from there but um but it was fun it was a lot of fun and, and took to it very quickly um and kind of just just Set us on that path of of four tires, roll cages, seat belts. Obviously, that helped convince mom. Uh, At the time, it was a lawnmower engine. Um, You know, it was what, 30 horsepower. They ran 60, 70 miles an hour tops. And uh, I was like, oh, this is is no problem. This is, I think this is about nine years old. And, um, you know, I, I think 10 years, fast forward 10 years, we're at Michigan for the tire test right after they repaved it running 220-something miles an hour, and I didn't tell my mom about that one for a long time. <laughs> Yikes.
2: <laughs> yeah, I started as Bandolera running 60. Now I just ran 220. Yeah. No big deal, Mom. Yeah. yeah. And
1: routing. I will still go back yeah. and tell you that that is the first time in my career and the only time in my career that i thought to myself, this is way too fast.
2: <laughs> yeah. Was there once in my not, – not Michigan, but we we were Talladega one time, and we decided to take the restrictor plate off when oh, I drove okay. for Judy Don Yeah. Ooh. Had some data acquisition on the uh, pretty bold data had a, on the dashboard. And uh, we, we were like 215 going into turn one. I'm like, holy crap. I don't think that's, I ever went this fast before. <laughs> that's
1: too much. <laughs>
2: yeah. It, and the, even though it was Junie's car, the, the NASCAR officials came right over to that baby when we came in <laughs> off the racetrack. <laughs> what did they say? Oh, <laughs> you know, you weren't hell supposed to. What are you guys to, doing? Yeah, you weren't supposed to test with anything but the plates on them. And, right. You know, uh, I don't know, Chris, if you ever met Junie Don Levy or not. And gentleman was the greatest person for motorsports, especially young drivers. And and he goes, said something. I said, well, we're not running quite fast enough. And he goes, well, I'll fix that, Bubba. Just stay, just stay strapped in there. We're gonna make a little carburetor adjustment.
0: <laughs>
2: uh, <laughs> they take the so carburetor they took off, the today, plate off. Took the plate off. Put it back down. Just go out there and run you another lap. See if that feels any better. <laughs> i don't i don't i don't know how that fit into running 220 but that's it's just kind of the same story yeah. there but yeah
1: oh, whatever uh, it takes
2: yeah so you uh the bandolero <laughs> deal was going then you went into many years later you're at michigan running 220 so how long did it take you to uh did, were you did you win races in the bandolero car ever or did you just of? Um,
1: yep yeah, yeah we, we took to that pretty pretty quickly. Um, Took a couple of races and, uh, you know, being out there with other cars on track and, uh, you know, got hooked up with uh, uh, Cherokee Racing, one of the locals that, that took care of a bunch of cars and got some, got set up under the car, got some tires for it, um, went out there and, uh, you know, put a bunch of tire marks down both sides. Um, I remember, I think it was my first race, maybe my second. I was trying to get out of the way of the leaders. I was getting lapped in a 15 or 20 lap race. And, um, I went so wide down the, and there's only one wall. It's like per There's only a front stretch wall on the fifth mile out behind Texas motor speedway. Okay. And, um, I went to try and move out of the way and I moved so high that I hit the fence and knocked the right front tire off. Oh, wow. I mean, spindle and all straight up into the air. And, um, uh, I was like, man, that was, that was kind of cool. Uh, <laughs> which was not the attitude I was supposed to have in that moment. I found out. So, <laughs> I learned real quickly to try and take care better care of stuff and uh became a little bit more aware of how, how close you could get with those race cars and um got to the point where we started winning some races locally and, and really took to it. And uh I think probably two years later we went to Bandalero Nationals, it was in Mobile, Alabama. Uh went out there and, and won a national one won the uh, the nationals at the end of the year. Uh, you know, a couple hundred cars out there and also that was that was probably the highlight of the Bandolero racing career. Um, didn't travel a whole lot with those. Uh, stayed a whole lot more local. But then when we got the Legends Car Racing, that's when it really started taking off and um, started traveling a lot to the East Coast, running the summer shootout, Thursday Night Thunder down in Atlanta. Uh, we'd run uh, Anderson, South Carolina, and Lanier, Georgia on Friday and Saturday. Um, you know during the summer over three months we'd run about 60 races or close to it we ran as wide open as we could possibly go trying to get experience and that was that was all the uh the life lessons on how to take care of your equipment make sure that it was ready for the next night so that you didn't have to stay up till 5 a.m trying to fix stuff
2: yeah so let me <laughs> ask you about your family at that point was your mom and dad going with you or were you traveling with somebody else racing at that time when you did all those 60 nights of racing
1: so, when we went to the summer, so um, yeah, I guess if you back up, so we, like I said, we didn't travel a whole lot in Texas, um, stayed pretty local. Wichita Falls was maybe two hours away, uh, you know, went down to Houston a couple times, maybe three and a half, four hours away. Um, in Texas, that's local racing. And uh, on the East Coast, you got 25 racetracks, <laughs> yeah. if not more uh, of options, but that's what we had. Um, you know, Dad went to all of those races. When we got to Legends Car Racing, when I was 12, 13 years old, uh, started changing a little bit. We um, uh, met a guy who is is now one of my best friends. Had Speedway Legends had a, a program that um, you know, took care of of race cars. He had a uh, basically a house car that uh, helped you know, show what they were capable of. So they could bring in customers and and work on them as well. Had about I don't know probably six to eight cars there and um you know, we were at a point where dad couldn't really commit to to traveling near as much as, as we needed to to try and you know pursue it a little bit more seriously and so uh went over there uh started rent some space from from them at their shop and um, you know, started started learning how to race and, and started learning how to had a legends car and let, uh, let me
2: interrupt you just for a second and ask this question and it's it sounds personal but it's not. It's like trying to inform all the kids in the world out there today about racing. At that time, was your parent you, you, your parents, and friends funding your racing? Were, were they- we were
1: funding our racing, Yeah, yes. okay.
2: Because there, yep. there's so, a lot of times there's this big misconception anymore that oh you, you just go race. Like kids don't realize you have to pay for this stuff, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know we as grownups realize that. Very few people get the opportunity to race, but, you know, in the world that's listening to us, there's some kids listening. so I the want entire them to, world. The entire world. The I, entire I, world. I just want them to realize that there is a commitment involved, not just your passion. There is a financial commitment someone has to make. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. Just, uh, no,
1: and it's a good point because it was something that, you know, it was out of our pocket. We were trying to. Trying to make it uh, as far as we could, knowing that um, at the time, knowing that Legends cars was probably about what we could get to. Um, you know, they're they're fairly affordable. Um, you know, it's still a lot of time, a lot of money, but that's what we could we could go do and uh, and can do competitively. So, um, like I said, we we started with Speedway Legends. Michael Harper's one of my best friends now that that had been working on Legends cars uh, forever, um, and. Uh, started out in, in uh, I think it was the Charger series. I don't think it even exists anymore. Did that for a race or two. Um, flat out dominated that that quick and easy run, and uh, you moved right on up. So, hey Chris, uh, you
0: want to hear something funny? I must have been, I must have been thirty. 32 years old, something like that, when I started racing legends. I drove in the Charger division for a couple of years. <laughs> okay. I didn't know what okay. the hell I was doing, right? So, you know, it was fun. And then... <laughs> uh, we not
1: that different. <laughs> actually,
0: I, you know, actually, it must have been later, because how old do you have to be to race in the masters? Was it 40? I don't know. I think, I think it was 40. Yeah, I think it was 40. So I raced like two years in charger and then I turned 40. So I was in my late thirties when I started my oh, illustrious racing. You were racing against
2: some 10 year olds. Well, well, I'll tell you who was, you know, who was
0: big at the time. Now this was the Tuesday night summer shootout series at Charlotte motor speed. Yeah. Reed Sorensen was like 13, 14 years oh, old. Oh really? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, we'd be out there practicing everybody, every, um, Car from every division could go out and practice with each other, right? So I'd see him coming in the mirror, you know, and I and I'd let him by, or I didn't have to let him by, but he'd get by me, and then I'd try to hang with him, you know. Couldn't do it. You, you know, what, <laughs> you, you know what Kenny Schrader would tell you right now?
2: What? Well, you went beating up on the kindergartners, didn't you? Yeah.
0: Hey, hey! Chris, Actually,
2: the kindergartner
0: was beating up on me. Chris, so. this
2: whole show's about you, but I got. Did you guys hear that Kenny Schrader won a Pitney's dirt race last night in Canada? I did not hear. 68 that. years old. How about that?
1: Yeah. Hey, so' a, 68 years old
2: 68 years old NASCAR Pitney series in, in Canada he I'm used,
0: guessing there were some Budweisers hat after that Schrader,
2: Schrader's <laughs> definitely in no a non-boycott mode yeah.
0: <laughs> he's
2: Budweiser yeah, all the way so I, I we kind of got off on a path but that's that was, I thought that was cool but um, that
1: is cool that is, I didn't know
2: that yeah that, that was like as, as my little brother says headline news in the garage area <laughs> Or breaking news in the garage area Breaking yeah. news,
1: breaking. this just in. <laughs> yeah. so, so I got to race with Kenny Arca racing there for, for several years uh, early on. And um, I, I will say I learned a lot from him at Toledo Speedway uh-huh. uh, because he blew my doors off. I got in line and uh, and watched and learned. So and, same thing? Uh, yeah. Same exact thing. It took me a little time. <laughs> yeah, them, them old guys just beating up on us kindergartners. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: Taking lessons. when we get to the nascar world it goes i think i'm gonna beat up on high school kids for a while (laughs) but uh, you know small story and we're gonna get back to you my father and kenny's father used to race together right in in missouri and and we all met at a little fifth mile asphalt called called lake hill speedway schrader when he first started racing used to drive his car from his father's repair shop across the bridge into the racetrack oh is
0: that right Yeah. (laughs) yeah all right let's get back to you oh
2: it's time take a- for a break. <laughs>
0: we'll come back. We'll talk some more with Chris Busher. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the SpeedSport Podcast Network, powered by MyRacePass and NASCAR Digital Media.
2: Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace is teaming up with Mark Ficken Ford Lincoln on South Boulevard to save you money on your vehicle purchase. Right now, you
0: can get $500 off any new or used vehicle in stock. Hey, Mike, there's a landing page online with all the info you need to take advantage of this offer. FordLincolnCharlotte.com slash Wallace. You can view inventory and more. You can even listen to any of the 80-plus episodes of Fast Car to NASCAR while there. Welcome back to the SpeedSport Podcast Studios. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. We're brought to you today by Mark Fick and Ford Lincoln on South Boulevard. The team at Mark Fick and Ford Lincoln works hard every day to be a community partner in supporting their customers, local businesses, as well as being involved in local charities and programs. Visit FordLincolnCharlotte.com today for your next vehicle selection, service appointments, or collision need. We're talking to NASCAR Cup Series driver Chris Busher. Once again, here's my like Wallace.
2: Well, Chris, we kind of got off on a tangent talking about different things there, but let's go back to the to legend cars. You, you were racing with your buddies out of Texas. You were starting to travel more, run a run a season about sixty races. Pick us up from
1: there. Yeah, and so that was, um, like I said, it was it was expensive. We were doing it out of pocket, and um, it was just to the point where uh, I had to start traveling a little bit more. I had to start getting a little bit more serious about it. Uh, I had started winning races, and um, and. And semi-pro, and um, you know, kind of got to the point where what was running well enough became became the house car of uh, of speedway legends, and, and that really helped kind of get us going down the path where we were able to do more. So, uh, ended up you know becoming the house car, started started working on our stuff, getting it better. I uh, took on a bunch of customer cars. I actually went to went to work uh, working on all those customer cars so that we could basically make our, our race and cash flow uh, a whole lot easier uh, so that we could we could race more and that we could travel more. And, uh, you know, kept taking on customers. As long as we were winning, we could keep keep people coming in and uh, buying race cars and, and take care of, uh, of their kids, take them to the track, teach them, and, uh, and get them uh, up to winning races too. So that was um, really how we, we maintained the next three to four years legends car racing and, and traveling around and, and pursuing, uh, pursuing national events and, and race wins. Now we never ran for points and I've said it a lot in the media, the last several months, um, you know, as we've been running towards playoffs here and, uh, on the cup side, it, it's points keep coming up. People keep asking about points. Well, you're in a good spot in points. Do you just need to points race? And, and I'm sitting here and I got sick of it. I'm like, look, we, we don't points race. We show up to the racetrack to win. And when you win races, the points come with that, and that's how we grew up racing. We did not chase track championships. We did not chase national points. We went to racetracks that we felt like would challenge us. That there would be new people there that were different than places we've been, and we'd figure out how to win. And, and that's how you grew up. I, I mean, that's just what we what we were after. It wasn't about running. 40 nights at, at one home racetrack so that you could say you got uh, a, a points championship at the end of the year. It just wasn't, wasn't what we were after. So uh, go forward you know, back to 13 years old. Uh, like I said, we're, we're you know, taking care of a bunch of customer cars. Um, and, and it was one of those conversations right before the summer school got out and uh, sitting in the living room with my parents and, and uh, my, my best friend now and it was one of those sit down and say if you want this to be a career path it's going to get a whole lot harder if you want this to be a hobby no problem we can go racing semi-locally on weekends and have a good time and and you know can prepare for the future and go get yourself a real job but if you want this to to be what you do and if you want to race cars for a living then we're going to start getting serious and that was that was the time I was like, yeah, that's, that's what I want to do. And, um, said, all right. So when summer break hits, we're traveling to Charlotte, we're going to take all of our customers out there and our house quarters, and we're going to go run 60 races in three months. And it's gonna, it's gonna suck in a lot of ways, but it's going to be a lot of fun in a lot of other ways. And so, uh, that was 13 to 15 years old. I can't tell you how many blue jeans I wore holes in the knees of trying to change legends car gears in between racetracks and uh repair front clips and suspension and and it was it was rough it was hot i feel like every shop we ever went to never really had good ac either i don't don't know why that (laughs) was but (laughs) i sure would have appreciated it now i'm I'm sitting in my shop that i'm I'm about 80 percent of the way done with now and, and been working on for about a year and I've got the AC on. I know gonna, what? I was going to say you're sitting there
2: and it's seventy four degrees in there right now, right? Man? It is
1: seventy seven, and I am I am going to run it. You know yeah. what? I, I've earned this. Damn it! And uh, <laughs> so I, I remember those days though because it was it was, it so, was so. let me ask you
2: something. There, you're sitting in your the shop you've been working in. What what part of the country do you live in? Where do you live at now?
1: In uh, in North Carolina, we're okay. outside of Charlotte a little ways. Okay. Um, you know, out towards uh, Albemarle area. So we're 45 minutes from Roush Fenway.
2: I got you. Okay. Yeah. You, you, Perfect. I'm sorry. I, you get, you get, just, another just, t- tangent. Just the Tangent way, number two. Mike. Yeah, just the way he said that is like he's out in the country somewhere, and I was wondering where the country was, you know, and so,
0: okay.
1: Uh, that's what we tried to do. We tried to get out a little bit and yeah. uh, find a l- little space. But, um, no, I mean, it, it's – it's nice. It's close. My wife's family's from up this way. My family's moved out uh, to Lexington, North Carolina in the last eighteen months, and Lexington is where uh,
2: I drove for Barry Owen. He lived in Lexington, yep. North Carolina, and that's where I uh, that's where I established a career right there. But um, really, yep. Yep. He was, uh, if it wasn't for him, I've told this story before. It wasn't for Barry Owen. I wouldn't have a career, but, uh, good barbecue out that way too. They say that I'm never, yeah. Yeah. So we're, um, I, we got to get back to you. I'm I got all sorts of deviations (laughs) of questions. So
1: you're you're good. I've been to Barry's (laughs) shop several times through the year. So, um, I'll fast forward a little bit here because I, I can get long winded. So, 15 years old we finished summer shootout we won a bunch of races and um, had gotten to be really good friends with ken reagan who was running the legends car program in charlotte um and uh, got to be good friends after i got called in his office for rough driving one week <laughs> and got black flags and uh i got a very stern two-hour lecture from uh from ken reagan telling me that it was time to be better and uh, and he was right but uh, i didn't want to hear it at the time and, um, I hate to, to say this. Truck.
2: I can't, I it's hard for me to imagine a really stern lecture from Ken Reagan.
1: <laughs> Never seen that before, huh?
2: Well, Chris, I just don't think that driving you're doing is gonna be. <laughs> I mean,
1: you're close there. You're a little laid back. I don't know. He scared me a little bit Did more than okay, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> it was, um, it was one of those you remembered it. You're like, okay, yeah. it, it's he's not wrong, you know, went out there and, uh. Used a few people up in uh in race and got to where we wanted to go until we got black flags. So um, I thought wedges cars had bumpers for a reason. They they seem to be.
2: But replace uh, some damn things every race, so they did. must be.
1: Right, <laughs> right. I mean, we had to replace it anyway, so we used I to mean, cut the tabs off every needed. week and <laughs> do. Into- <laughs> yeah, yeah. You remember they were what four dollars for tabs or oh, twenty dollars? yeah, for we used bumper? to
2: ma- we used to make my own our own for my daughter and my son, and hell, we'd go to racetrack with. 10 fronts and 10 rears for each car. Yeah. Kurt Andrews used oh, to yeah. tell me they had to, yeah.
0: they had to replace the rear bumper on mine. Uh, a lot. he said, I'd like to replace the front bumper on your car
1: every now and again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he was telling you someone. Yeah. Day. Yeah. Okay.
1: So, so, so the rough driving probably came from, uh, I, I got told at some point that, um, I'll pay for front bumpers, but you're paying for rears. And, uh, that, that kind of lights you up a little bit and, uh, <laughs> makes you start going forward a little bit harder. But no, it was, um, it was the end of that summer. Like I said, we ran really well. We won a bunch of races and, uh, said there with Ken and He's like, look, you know, David's running for, for he's She's very early on his career there. Uh, you know, if you want to pursue this as a career event, then, then you're going to have to move to Charlotte. He said, and I'll call your, your, your mom and dad and I'll tell them and, uh, you know, figure out how to get y'all out here and, you know, got home had that conversation with my family and and they were in no place to move. I've got two younger sisters as well. Um, you know, one was, was very heavily involved in, in some local gymnastics. Um, you know, all their friends are out there. Mom and dad were out in in Texas for work and it just wasn't, wasn't feasible. And, uh, Ken Reagan wasn't really one to take no for an answer. He said, uh, well, if they can't move, what about you? (laughs) And, uh, I was like, well, I think that's probably a mom question. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yet again, another hard conversation with mom talking about if we wanted to pursue the the racing side of things, it was going to take a move to Charlotte. And um, Ken Reagan said, "Look, David's moved out. Uh, I've got a, a an empty bedroom here. I said, if you'll uh, if you'll come out here, you'll homeschool to finish out your high school. You'll go work at David's shop in the afternoons and go spend time volunteering at pit practice down at Roush." Uh, you know, be home at, at I think it was six 30 for dinner every night, cut the grass and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll feed you. We'll put a roof over your head and, and we'll make the best effort we can to, uh, to, to turn this into a, a career path. And, um, that was a hard conversation to have with Bomb at 15 years old. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that was, that,
0: that was a very gracious deal was from was Ken say, Reagan. That's a pretty it. amazing offer.
1: It really is. It was, it was. Yeah, it was. And, and something you just, you, you don't hear about very often. Um, I've never heard a a story quite the same in my timeline. I know through the years you hear a lot of guys that moved in on to uh, couches with people. Yeah, uh, but you're,
2: you're 15, man. You're, you're still a boy. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't even have a driver's license.
1: Yeah. Yep. Couldn't even get around. I had to get a ride. Uh, David's mom had to give me a ride to the shop after I homeschooled in the morning. (laughs) So, so I could, could get around. But, um, it, it was something that we talked about. I said, "Look, this is this is the way to do this. This is the way to, to pursue it. If we're serious, it's time to go." And uh, you know, the, the Reagan family was so good to me uh, throughout my whole career, but especially through that time. Um, you know, moved out there, moved in with them, worked in David's shop, whatever they had going on. My first job uh, when I went over there, they had a five-gallon bucket of all the nuts and bolts that scatter on the floor when you're building stuff. Yeah. yeah. I got to sort that and put that into the nut and bolt bin. You talk about a terrible job. That was it. <laughs> well,
2: well, I don't know if you know it, Chris, because you've kind of come along at a later time in life. You are big time. If you had a five gallon bucket and it had some new bolts in it, <laughs> you know, and, and it, you needed one bolt, you dump the whole darn bucket out and then it would lay there. But, uh, yeah, good. You put them in a bolt nut tray. That was nice.
1: Yep, yep. So that was that was my that was my job. And hey, I operated that way out of that five gallon bucket for a while too. And uh, fortunately, Fastenal's hooked me up. Now I got nice a- blue nut and bolt bins in the shop. <laughs> I am set. You know, we I, have- I'm telling you, I'm getting spoiled out here. We and ha-
2: I like it. we have a picture of you behind <laughs> us on a TV screen here, which you'll see. Uh, and I'm thinking, I'm, I'm picturing your shop, and I'm thinking. Five gallon bucket. I bet he's loaded with fasten all <laughs> tools and dividers and you know, bolt nut bends and all the cool stuff. The little lockers, his, his shop probably looks like some industrial complex right now.
1: <laughs> we're, we're slowly working our way there, so they're, they've taken very good care of me. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. That's that's cool. So it, it is, and it's, um, you know, it, it's like I said, it, it was one of those moments where you know the, the Reagan family really stepped up helped my family out know, um, you know it wasn't it wasn't that it cost us anything to do it right it was you know look we're going to we're going to house you and feed you if you'll you know go work in David's shop and, and help him out in return and, so, so um,
2: if you don't mind me we only got 2 minutes left in this segment what why did the Reagan family take a liking to you what what was what, what did you do or what what did they see in you i mean other than you must have been talented but that's a big commitment from somebody to tell well, you can move in with us, and we'll, we'll kind of pay the, you know, to house you.
1: Yeah, yeah so it, it, um, so Michael Harper the, of Speedway Legends that I was racing for out in Texas, he was from South Georgia, close to the Reagans, knew the Reagan family. So when we came out here, already had a little bit of connection with, with Ken Reagan. Oh,
2: okay. He was okay. running
1: the Legends car program. Like I said, I got I got put in his office originally for something not so good. And um I think it, as a kind of uh, our, um, rehab process, Ken had us come over for, for Sunday cookout. So we'd watch the races, we would cook burgers and, uh, and, and we'd, we'd hang out and, and talk a little bit of racing, watch, watch the race on TV, kind of slow down and, and take a breather for our, uh, for our weeks that were so busy. So, I uh, just got to be, be close to them. And, and, you know, he was very keen on trying to, uh, to help, young drivers much like jack roush and you know one of the few few organizations that was really working hard to to do driver development as a lot of teams weren't really interested in it and um you know with with help from ken and him pushing and he's continued to do that with kids that are that are coming up through legends car series trying to to help uh point and direct and, and give advice to to find that way so i think that was the the big part of it and you know we spent several several summers doing that uh, and hang out with them on Sundays and kind of set us up to, uh, to to move in after, you know, right, right before I turned 16 years old.
0: Man, what a great story. Take a time out here and crack it up a notch in segment four. You ready? Yeah. We'll have to speed up segment four. We're going to run out of time. You're listening to fast car to (laughs) NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the speed sport podcast (laughs) network powered by my race pass and NASCAR digital media. Hi, it's Jeff Kent. You need to get behind the wheel of a vehicle that's built tough with Mark Ficken Ford Lincoln. Right now, you can get $500 off any new or used vehicle that we have in stock. That's right, $500 off any vehicle currently in stock. To take advantage of this deal, simply visit FordLincolnCharlotte.com slash Wallace. Don't miss out on this opportunity to save big on our entire inventory. Get $500 off new or used cars, trucks, and SUVs at Mark Ficken Ford Lincoln on South Boulevard now. Welcome back to the Speed Sport Podcast Studios. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. We're brought to you today by Mark Thick and Ford Lincoln on South Boulevard. The team at Mark Thick and Ford Lincoln works hard every day to be a community partner in supporting their customers, local businesses, as well as being involved in local charities and programs. Visit FordLincolnCharlotte.com today for your next vehicle selection, service appointment, or collision need. We are about to bring it home with Chris Busher. And once again, here's Mike Wallace. I'm going to talk fast because we got to hurry up and get done. No. (laughs) So
2: uh, Ken Reagan, Ken Reagan and his family, give you an opportunity to move over, live with them to pursue your career. You're at Ken Reagan's house. You're working at David's shop. You're going to Roush's now and then. Where do you go from there?
1: So we were able to work out a deal with Roush um, for a development program. Uh, when I was 16 years old basically said that look we can't promise a whole lot here but um, but we're gonna we're gonna make a good effort here and that was um, sitting down with Jack and, and Robbie Reiser and um, I remember uh, sat down to, to kind of work out some of the details in Robbie Reiser's office there had been volunteering pit practice a lot driving pit practice cars really shouldn't have been doing any of that with uh, with absolutely zero credentials and probably no workers' comp or anything along <laughs> those lines. but um, We won't tell anybody. You know, yeah, no, no. <laughs> the but world's I'm not listening. Just, just the whole world. <laughs> <Yeah>. but, um, <laughs> I remember sitting in Riser's office, and it was one of the most nerve-wracking conversations I've ever had. It was, uh, you know, in his, his bulldog way, just you're going to do it our way. You're going to be here at 5.30 a.m. for workouts. You're going to be here for pit practice. Uh, all day Wednesday, you're going to you know, finish your schooling. And, and it was like, oh, what am I getting into? And uh, <laughs> I remember, got that done, agreed everything, You know, realized that, yes, it was going to be worth the effort. Came into his office. It was 5.30 the next morning. I didn't even have a key card that would get me in the building that early. And um, I, I also didn't have a Ford vehicle at the time. Um, and so I had to drive to David's shop. I had to borrow his old, I think it was like a 94 F-350 Dually had to fire it up go all over the shop and uh knock on riser's window at five thirty a.m and have him let me in to so those that i could go upstairs to the gym. and uh the, the first day i showed up i think he was happy i was on time and, and it was like we'd known each other for 20 years Really? and i was like okay it, this is cool this is cool like he just wanted to make sure that you was serious about you it broke and, the
2: ice there and, perfectly well right
1: <laughs> and that was it and it kind of took off from there um we did uh, the initial development deal was, um, you know, we're going to go work for um, the Rua Brothers race team out of Middle Ethiopia, Illinois. They we used them for driver development. Um, Pete Shepard in the past, um, well, a whole lot of others, but. Um, uh, I drove Rua Brothers
2: cars at DeCoin. Yep.
1: That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, you yeah, know, we're, we're on the same page. You see, we could defer and, and get off on story time again here, yeah. but, <laughs>
2: uh,
1: so went up to Midlothian, Illinois, uh, worked for the ruo brothers, um, worked on our own race cars. We went short track racing for two years. Uh, David, uh, David Reagan helped, um, you know, keep us operating and, and, uh, you know, put David Reagan fan club on the side, which eventually turned into David Reagan Ford when they, he got his dealership and I uh, went to the racetrack with a white car with black numbers and, uh, went to try and figure out how to go, go big car racing, uh, pretty much skipped right over weight models and, um, you know, anything else on the way, some of your other, you know, your touring series, your ASAs and Hooters pro cup, it kind of, you know, went belly up at that point and weight models were just hard to, to justify cause they were so unorganized at that time on rules packages and, uh, you know, how much really, uh, notoriety you could get doing it. So we went Arca racing, um, like I said, went up there, worked for Rua Brothers. We ran those eight races uh, for the first two seasons and uh, figured out how to win the second year and, and got a win or two uh, and, and got to go full-time racing for the next two years. And that's where you know, we went on to win um, a good handful of races. I, I think I think said 10 races by the end of, of our time together. Won the championship in 2012. Um, still proud of the fact that that, that year, we completed every single lap of competition. It is the first and only time it's been done in our history. So as cool as winning the championship was, uh, I'm
2: Every lap, that's a big deal right here.
1: That not once did we go a lap down or finish a lap down, not once did we wreck a car bad enough that we couldn't fix it and get back on the lead lap. And um if you could see the picture of our Salem car with the the deck lid duct taped on, the duct work punched out with three inch hole saws to get air to the radiator uh the doors knocked off it. the fenders knocked off of it you thought that was all we could do just to get it loaded in the trailer we went out there and finished second with with that mm. piece it was it, it was kind of that that point of the season like we are not here to quit that we are going to make this happen and, and like we talked about at the very beginning we, we were underdogs in that deal and we knew it
2: that's outstanding. I mean, that's, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking as you're talking about that and you finished on the lead lap of every race, that was, uh, that's, that's hard to do when you got your stuff together.
1: <laughs> that's the thing, right? I mean, there's yeah. so many things there's, there's a certain amount of luck involved in not getting caught up in somebody's accident. There's, uh, you know, maintenance and, and keeping up with race cars to make sure you don't have mechanical failures. Uh, you know, not, um, not buckling under pressure when you do have a problem and, and losing laps. Um, I promise it was not without a, uh, a certain amount of yelling and screaming from everybody on our team at certain moments, but, uh, I, I'm very proud of what we were able to do that year. It is special to me. So, um, I had a really good time with Rumbo brothers, learned a ton about racing over those years. And, uh, you know, like I said, won that championship and was, uh, was given the opportunity to run a part-time Xfinity season the year after. And, uh. You know, took that that opportunity. Moved up. I think we ran four ARCA races as well that season, and six or seven Xfinity races. Um, was given that opportunity, and, and I'm sitting here thinking, like, well, ten races a year. I mean, we used to do that in two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was like, I can't, I can't just run ten races. And so I went to Robbie, and uh, I said, Robbie, I, I need a job. I and mean, he said, well, you got a job. You're driving race cars. I said, not enough. I said, I want to be in the shop working it if I'm not going to be driving. I said, I want to, I want to learn more. I want to discover more. I've worked on these ARCA cars all these years. I got, I'm not, I'm not completely green. And, um, so I got the opportunity to work on the grand Am Mustangs that Jack Rouse Jr. And Billy Johnson drove and a handful of others. I did that for two months. Um, with, uh, with lumpy running that program, um, I went to the carbon shop, worked up there for a month or two. I went to Finish Fab for a month or two, kind of just bounced around in different areas of the shop, learned, uh, you know, more about our race cars and what we did, and then eventually ended up as the the interior guy for the 16 car, the car that I was running part time that year. And uh, let me tell you, the hardest part about that was getting done with a race week and that you got to drive. And having to pull your seat out of a car to put another driver's in.
2: Oh, that sucked. That, <laughs> that sucked.
1: <laughs> no part about that was enjoyable. I, I loved working the shop and being with our team all the time, uh, but pulling your stuff out to put other people's in—that sucked. Yeah,
2: so, that was cool though. That you, I mean, really from your side personally, you took that initiative. I mean, I guess you could have sat at home or hung out at the shop, but you wanted to learn more, and you want uh, that. That congratulations on that. That was really that's really intriguing. Uh,
1: i appreciate it i like working i, I yeah. like to stay busy I, i'm not um i'm not a sit down and uh and just hang out kind of person um if you can see what's sitting in front of me right now in the shop i am i'm out here with my dad actually we are uh cutting grinding nailing and, and we are we are building stuff non-stop and it's just it's always been in me i've always wanted to stay busy and uh just had that that drive then that uh, if I could figure out more about the race cars and know more about what's under me than, than other drivers, that it would carry over and, um, you know, give you a, a little bit of an edge at some point during your career.
2: Okay. So fast forward here, what are they, the Xfinity series program? How did you get that opportunity?
1: Uh, so we ran those part-time, uh, seven, seven races in 2013. Uh, 2014 was, kind of pieced together with uh some help from Ford. it was supposed to be a full-time season we missed daytona because of a uh that was group qualifying um we waited till too late and a crash happened on our up to speed lap into qualifying never put in a lap never made the race mm. um with the rest of the year and we ran everything um you know got a win at, at mid ohio I think we finished seventh in points, So I mean, we, we did recover very well, um, and we went into 2015, kind of the same thing. Uh, said, look, we're, we've got enough for about half a season here. Uh, we'll have you know, Ford on the car. We'll have Roush Performance. Uh, we kind of forced their hand that year. We we took the points lead pretty early on and um, and held it throughout the rest of the season and kind of forced their hand to keep racing. <laughs> and, uh, know, that was a good way to do it. <laughs> went and won a couple couple races kind of mid-season late season uh iowa and dover um and we got a, a decent amount of help from all of the cup sponsors at roush at the time so you know it became uh, a different sponsor every week on the x-fan car it was Advicare, it was fast and all it was fifth bank it was a lot of sponsors that we still have now but i, I think we had 12 or 15 different paint schemes and fire suits it was it was absolute chaos but it got us to the end of the year. It got us to the point where we were able to run for that championship at Homestead and, and wrap it up. So, um, yeah, it, you know, the, was,
2: the cool part was it was your seat in it all the time.
1: That was the best part. <laughs> they they kicked me out of the shop by then too. They said, "Hey, we have real professionals. Uh, <laughs> you don't you don't need to do this. Man. You're too slow. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Twist my arm. <laughs>
2: so you win that championship. Then what takes place?
1: So that was a, a massive high and, and also a, um, a, a pretty rough moment at the same time. We got to the banquet, which was only a, you know two days later, and kind of kind of discovered that we didn't really have a pathway forward for any of our team uh, for myself as a driver, uh, you know you're, you're sitting there on the, the highest point of, of most of our careers at that point and um, knowing that, we don't have the funding to do it again next year. Uh, we don't have a place to move up. It was through some of Roush's down uh, downsizing at the time. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's been pretty well noted that uh, went through a, a period of time where the Cup program uh, was not near as strong as it had been at its best, and um, it had taken a toll on the on the Cup side, and then it had trickled down to um, to the entire organization, or, or really, you know, started with us but um made it the point where we got done got to the banquet and we're all sitting here wondering what in the world we're gonna do and um it's a tough tough moment there because you just had two awesome seasons with a group that did so good and worked so well together you know felt like you did all the things right and there's no there's no path ahead of you the the road's closed and um kind of kind of took everybody everybody split off had had to find work in a lot of other places and um Ended up getting the opportunity for myself to go to Front Row Motorsports with um, a, a little bit of a loop in through Roush, and um, you know, with, with the, um, the the plan to go run full season, and that was that was a huge break for me, and uh, got to go run with them, and, and um, I guess you know, should also say congratulations to that organization and, uh, their win last week, big win for them, big
2: win. And we're we're we're, going to run out of time. No, I know, but we're, I'm going to rich. We're going to need five more minutes extra on this show. Okay. (laughs) We just extended the clock. We're we're taking, we're going to shut us down. This is too good. Don't shut it down. Let's (laughs) keep going. Okay. So, uh, we're, we're (laughs) congratulating the front row Motorsports. Incredible, incredible performance by Michael McDowell and his organization. So, um, Go back. You can, you can finish congratulating them now.
1: So, so And that's what I want to do. I want to say congratulations to the organization because it is very cool. And there's a lot of great people up there. Um, that year, you know, won that race uh, at Pocono. Put ourselves in the playoffs in our rookie season. Massive uh, momentum. Um, kind of same thing. Next year, just didn't really have a, a really good play, uh, not a place to come in-house at Roush. Um, had an opportunity to go drive for JTG Motorsports. And, um, you know, Roush had continuously downsized. I think they were down to two cars at that point. And um, went over there for, for three years and um, just made sure that you were still still competitive, right? That you're still in a cup car, that you're still working on your craft. And um, had, a, had a lot of fun over there. We, we learned a lot still and uh, went through a few uh, a few changes through, through the series and through the cars. Um, and then, you know, just a couple of years ago, was able to, to get that call to come back to Roush, where I basically had always planned on running my entire career, just didn't have quite all the, the, the right opportunities in place. And, and you know, the, 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 the environment wasn't quite there to, to be able to stay there from, from the get go. So um, got that call to come back over uh, was super, happy to do it and uh and pumped to be back at what i would consider our my home base and um you know then with so much changing in the last couple of years with Brad last coming over with the next gen car uh it's really put us in a place where we've upped our upped our program to the point where we've been very competitive and you know, well, let feel me, like let me ask certainly. you
2: something right there though i know we're extending the show a little bit so thank you very much when you got to call to go back to roush were you happy about that or because they weren't in the prime situation to be a dominant team at that time, or did you go, Oh God, I got to go back here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't mean that disrespectful. I, I mean,
1: I know what you mean. You yeah. know, <laughs> you,
2: you were there in, in the heyday and, and, in pulling this off, Jeff, you remember our Greg Biffle conversation? Absolutely. Yeah. Greg was on here. and was talking about, you know, the heyday he had and then as things were going downhill and he gave us the reasons. And so, it sounds like you were always connected to Roush through everywhere you went. And then it's like, okay, you got to come back over here, but we're not running very well at this time. And
1: so, So, you know, it's something that you've seen, right. And and yeah, so I was always uh, still under my, my Roush uh, contract through the years. And um, so I always knew there was an opportunity to come back. And like I said, I I mean, I I felt that I had a debt to Jack and everything he did for me uh, early on in my career, taking that, that chance on, on someone who really didn't have the credentials to, to be driving an Xfinity car there, um, uh, yeah, took chance to, to try and teach and, and develop myself, and um, you know, so certainly felt like that was what I wanted to do. I wanted to come back and improve that I had learned and, and could to be better and could help bring the organization back up. Uh, and, and so when I got that call, I was certainly excited about it and understanding that it wasn't it wasn't the of roush finway racing that uh when i originally signed my contract you know back when i was 16 it wasn't that that team that was winning nine or ten races a year but it, it was it was an opportunity to go into something and build it and and keep working to make it better and um i, I thought that was a cool opportunity and like i said i i felt like I, I owed it to jack for everything that he had done for me in my career and um and you know it, it wasn't a, a an opportunity to go run a little bit better than where we were. Um, you know, not, not much. It was uh, felt like we were running around each other quite a bit, but uh, again, it was just felt like home for, for a lot of different reasons.
0: So enter Brad Keselowski and um, what, what has he done? What has his contribution been to turn the program around?
1: You know, there's, um, we don't have time for that. We would need another segment or two, <laughs> but uh, what I will say is, uh, Brad's come over with a lot of uh, racing experience, a lot of life experience, um, you know, between uh, his, his dad and, and his race teams, between his truck team, between his uh, advanced manufacturing company, Brad, and, and his time with Penske. He had a, uh, a, a very specific mindset on what he wanted to do with a race team, and the next-gen car provided the, the foundation to really adapt way more towards that. Um, and, and I think it really gave Jack and, and Roush that, that plan going forward of, of where the company would be heading, it would be in good hands. It would be in in the hands of a racer. Uh, and, and I think that that was kind of the, 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 marriage there. And some of it is a little bit, you know, over my head and, and I don't know much about, but when he came in, um, you know, the first thing that happened was, uh, we cleaned everything up and, uh, we got rid of a lot of that. That stuff that had acquired in, in back rooms and closets and under stairs. See what you just talking about. They, this, you you guys had,
2: had a yard sale. They had auctions. I <laughs>
1: had auctions. Iron exactly. Horse Auction
2: did all their auctions. I seen all uh-huh. this stuff.
1: Yep. And I went to one of those auctions and bought a bunch of stuff yeah. because I you, you couldn't believe how cheap he bought it. Did you <laughs> see you are, like you are a hoarder. <laughs>
2: yeah. All right. We're going to run out of time. Okay. Once
0: again, fast forward though, to 2023 and you guys seemingly are on your game. I mean, uh, between you and Brad, you're both top 10 in points. So you, you had back-to-back wins just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, talk about that. How much fun that is and, and, and going forward, what to
1: expect. Uh, it's a blast. It has been so much fun to, to be this competitive week in, week out. Um, the wins are are awesome. Uh, the fact that one came at a short track and one came at a two-mile racetrack is fantastic. Uh, what I've been very clear to try and tell everybody is what I am most excited about is the fact that we are not limited to super speedways. We are not labeled as super speedway racers anymore. We are not labeled as road course racers we have been competitive short tracks big tracks speedways road courses um we won't talk about the dirt and uh (laughs) you know across the board we've been very competitive and that's that's the measure of improvement for me and for our organization and and that's what gives me hope that that we are in a place where we can drive into the playoffs uh that that we can make a a splash there and, and that we are on the right track to continue to build this back up to what RFK was in its in its you know heydays.
0: I'd say you're there, brother. Congratulations. Yeah, congratulations.
2: Thanks for extending the show with us. I couldn't I just couldn't let it stop. You're you're too good and <laughs> love to have you come back on another time and, and discuss some more things. And uh man, just since you're on this big a run right now, I know you're not a points racer, as you said, supposedly. That was back in the day. <laughs> but uh go ahead, win the points, win the championship because the world knows that most people that come on fast car to NASCAR, good things happen. Good things happen to immediately
0: after being on the show. Yes, prove it. Yeah, time and perfect. time again.
1: Perfect, perfect. Well, when you say it like that, you want to do this next week?
0: <laughs> yeah. I do. Uh,
2: well, you know we're. we're how about the sun two weeks from now? I got a guess for next week. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: so, all right, Chris Buescher, thank you for the time today. Best of luck, rest of the year
1: absolutely thank you gentlemen very much thank you chris you've been listening
0: to fast car to nascar with mike wallace on the speed sport podcast network powered by my race pass and nascar digital media